welcome to the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Podcast. I'm Kate Moore Youssef, and I'm a wellbeing and lifestyle coach, EFT practitioner, mum to four kids, and passionate about helping more women to understand and accept their amazing ADHD brains. After speaking to many women just like me, and probably you, I know there is a need for more health and lifestyle support for women newly diagnosed with ADHD. In these conversations, you'll learn from insightful guests, hear new findings and discover powerful perspectives and lifestyle tools to enable you to live your most fulfilled, calm and purposeful life wherever you are on your ADHD journey. Here's today's episode. Hi everyone, welcome back to the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Podcast. I am Kate Moore Youssef, I'm your host, and today we have Ryan Ridgway. Now, Ryan is a mental health and wellbeing trainer. You advocate on mental health online, you are a campaigner, but actually we are here to talk about ADHD in relationships and how you have sort of helped your partner come to terms with their ADHD but also because of you have such an amazing insight of mental health from a male perspective I was hoping we can sort of marry it all together and see if anyone that's listening right now can can help and really kind of find some peace knowing that a partner can understand ADHD in a slightly different way so welcome to the podcast Ryan it's really great to have you here. Brilliant. Thank you for having me on. And thank you for educating me about ADHD. So I've got a lot of knowledge from your podcast that's helped me help Jamie, my partner. And and it's increased the awareness for me because I want to show a bit of vulnerability and say, I'm still learning. So if there's anything I say that isn't accurate, then please let me know. Um, I'm not here to to cause offence or say anything out of turn. So I'm in your hands and I have been listening to your podcast. <laughs> oh, well, don't worry about that, Ryan. Thank you. And I mean, I'll give a little bit of a backstory. Ryan got in touch with me over social media and basically explained his situation and explained that his partner had gone through a diagnosis and you were sort of navigating that journey with her. And you wanted to come on and maybe talk about it from a male perspective, from a partner perspective of how how it showed up in your life and also the the fact that you have your own mental health um, struggles you were just telling me before that you um, have OCD and anxiety disorder and it's really interesting to be able to hear it from your perspective as well because you have gone through your journey you now help a lot of other men deal with their own mental health which is just fascinating in itself and I'd love to hear more about that but I guess maybe just kind of let's focus on the ADHD and how you how it all began with Jamie, your partner, and when did you start realising it was ADHD? I think she's always had an awareness that something didn't feel quite right. And she'd mentioned, you know, historically being labelled and judged as being lazy and procrastinating and there was that impulsivity. And, and people before labelled her with having bipolar disorder. And because that's the, the world I work in and what I teach, it it just didn't seem to fit. It didn't seem quite right. She approached me to say, do you think that's what I've got? And I'm like, I really don't think you have, but if there's some things in your world that are causing you distress and always have done, let's explore that and let's see how I can support and what we can do. Amazing. So, I mean, you've got a a mental health training background. Why is ADHD not being talked about, interestingly? Like why, when we're talking about addiction, we're talking about uh, anxiety, depression, OCD, all sorts of things. It comes under the umbrella of ADHD. So 
I know that so many people are going under the radar. They're being misdiagnosed and the awareness isn't there. You know, from your perspective, working in the male mental health arena, how much do you think there is some diagnosed ADHD? And I guess what, um, moving forwards, what can we do about it? I think there's quite a lot. I think maybe ADHD is kind of where mental illness might have been 10 years ago. You know, if you wind back 30 years, no one talked about mental health. No one talked about mental illness. In fact, people were labelled, judged and almost encouraged to keep quiet and, and hide it. And, you know, a lot of that, the harm that's done in that world is through judgment and stigma and lack of awareness. But we are seeing more people come through now being open to these conversations. And that kind of stigmatic statement that I really hate of, you know, the naughty kid at school, that's now falling by the wayside. And people are realizing that actually that that person needed some support. You know, they may well have had ADHD. They weren't the naughty kid. They couldn't just do this or just do that. They, they needed support. So I think maybe there's been this shift in the world of mental health and people are now recognizing that, you know, people need support, they need recognition, not labels, not judgment. And, more people are open to that conversation. Yeah, I mean, definitely when you talk about the stigma, I think it's definitely with, um, you know, men. I mean, again, my forte is working with women, but I have seen it in my family from, you know, a male perspective. There's been a lot of mental health challenges. Sadly, there was suicide. There's been um, addiction. It's so deeply rooted in my family. And, you know, for men to be able to open up and talk and be vulnerable is so hard and we're breaking down that conditioning and then we've got the sort of the female conditioning as well of what's going on with ADHD and how that looks and you know I just do think we're on the precipice I think what you said before about um, you know ADHD being where mental health was you know 10 years ago if you think about even 10 years ago you know being able to talk about depression and anxiety and suicide ideation or anything like that it was so taboo you know it was just terrifying and now you know thankfully lots of celebrities are talking people online um but there's such a long way to go isn't there there is yeah there's there's definitely been a shift and and debatably for some the stigma's getting less the judgments get less the awareness is getting more but there's still so much so much work to do and um, i'm sorry to hear that you know there's been those struggles from a mental health perspective in your world you mentioned suicide and and addiction you know really appreciate you sharing that with with me and and sorry that's been a part of the journey as it has been for too many people who felt they talk about it they couldn't reach out for help and support and you know the judgment and the stigma kind of suppressed that especially in the data we see with regards to men the suicide figures for men still at 76 percent compared to, to women and the trend is um that encouragement to not talk about it feel like it's weak and it's this and it's that and it absolutely isn't we need to be able to openly explore um this stuff and unravel thoughts feelings emotions and be okay with saying this is me and I'm, it's who i am it can be a superpower i can embrace it as can adhd and i want to you know share that with the world Thank you for that. And we do know that with ADHD, there's a much higher statistics and, you know, unfortunately with suicide. And, you know, we talk about ADHD, you know, with, you know, lack of focus and procrastination and concentration, all these things. But those are the sort of the more the easier sides of it. And it's the other sides. It's the other, the less well-known um, ones that sort of fly under the radar, which is what is leading to misdiagnoses, which is leading to people thinking that there's something wrong with them. And that is the awareness that needs to, to be brought out um, in both, you know, men, women, children, adults, whatever that is, there has to be more of a conversation and an open conversation. And also 
what I have noticed in my world, working with a lot of women and on the podcast, and also from a personal perspective, ADHD is 100% genetic. So there's going to be an ADHD member of your family, whether it's a parent or an auntie or an uncle, it's going to be their grandparent. And we can sort of see the dysfunction and the chaos through the family tree. And then when we get the answers, when we suddenly start realizing where it's come from, when we can start joining the dots, where we can see the addiction, where we can see, um, you know, the not being able to hold down a job, money problems, so many different ways it shows up. It gives us a better understanding so we can then take more control of our lives and move forwards for the next generation. Yeah, that's it. That that deeper understanding to recognize it's person-centered. It's not just this stereotypical set of behaviors that some people might have heard about. The same with OCD. You know, people will say to me still, oh, is that where you're neat and tidy and you've got to check the irons off 20 times? And it, it can and could be that. That could be a good day, but it could be much, much more. And the same with ADHD, it's person-centered. There's a person at the center of this. How is it affecting their life? What do they want to do with it? What parts of it they feel need to be coached on or, or or this or that it's so different for all and that deeper understanding to recognize it isn't just putting people in categories and boxes it's a person there it's a life it's all the people in their world it's a, a much more in-depth conversation I think we need to get to yeah totally I mean every single person I have worked with with ADHD they've either had this sort of the self-diagnosis or the official diagnosis they've all been so different the ADHD shows up so differently it's challenged them in different ways it's helped them in different ways and you can't just kind of put them in this sort of like 10 point box where tick 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 and that's how we help people but I also think that's you know to the detriment of the resources that we've got and the and the help that we've got because each person reacts differently even with medication you know just the medication alone with ADHD is so challenging for some people because we I don't know we absorb it differently and we take it differently and we want it for different things and some medication can help with maybe like the binge eating side and some can help with the sleep side and then the anxiety side and it just shows how it just shows up and the nuances of ADHD make it very hard to diagnose in some cases. I mean going back to your partner and I know that's what you came here to talk about because I do think this conversation will be really helpful for anyone that's listening that is we're living with a person with ADHD How's it affected you? How did it affect your relationship, um, your dynamics? And what's the diagnosis brought now after, you know, after you've had that realisation? I think it would have affected our relationship a lot more if I didn't work in the world I worked in because you know, I could almost fight and campaign against judgment, against stigma. So whereas she'd been labelled a lot in the past, if I didn't have the awareness that I've got, then it, it would be easy to fall into some of that frustration. Um, but things like the impulsivity, I mean, we make a joke out of it. I don't know if we've got a child-free weekend, if I'm going to end up on a boat to France or sat in front of the TV. And I struggle with that because with OCD, I don't like change it's the overwhelm it's the stress it's the inability to focus on one task these things in a family home with two kids and you know Jane's amazing she's got a business she's got two kids she's done so well up to the age of 35 but it affects me more seeing her in distress you know when she has those those kind of periods of of complete overwhelm and, and tears and that self-labeling and self-judging from a personal perspective, um, you know, I'm the one that will kind of get up early and I'll, I've got good sleep regulation, um, good emotional regulation. 
but we kind of balance each other out. You know, I'm happy to get up early. I've got OCD. One of my superpowers is I am ultra organized, ultra meticulously planned out. So that's where where we balance. Um, but it's it's more effective for me because you know, see someone you love, you care about, who's having these struggles, and you know, I'll try and help or support, and nothing nothing quite fit, nothing quite quite worked. When we got the diagnosis. That helped us both lots because it was that period of acceptance for Jamie. And I've had full GDPR sign off and for confidentiality to share her story. So she's happy for me to talk about it. But when she got that, that diagnosis, suddenly she kind of just freed herself of that guilt and that self-judgment, that self-stigma of, oh, wow, there's, there's a reason for this. I'm not, I'm not lazy. I'm not used. I'm not all these things that have perhaps been suggested to me and said to me before. There's this this kind of release. This weight was lifted, um, where she was like, "I accept this. This is who I am, and that's okay." And I'm like, "Absolutely, that's okay. Let's work on it together. It can be a superpower. It's not something to be afraid of or ashamed of. It is a part of you, and that is absolutely okay." Yeah, I mean, firstly, she must be so grateful to have someone like you as a partner who is so open to this narrative, to be able to talk about this, who understands this world, and. Unfortunately, there's so many people out there that, you know, don't have a partner that is open minded or perhaps they just shut it down or, you know, they don't believe in ADHD or everyone's got a little bit of ADHD. You know, we hear this a lot from different people, this sort of invalidation or the um, abling the, the situation where it's just kind of like, oh, everyone, everyone deals with that or everyone loses focus or everyone, you know, struggles emotionally. And that, you know once you start opening up a little bit and then someone shuts it down, it's almost like you retract even further back into yourself. So she must be um, really grateful that you have um, a level of understanding like that. Um, but also I know from, you know, you sound a little bit like my husband because he, he's not been diagnosed with OCD, but I do think there's, there's a, a bit there. He's also, you know, an early riser, very routine led, very, very routine led. And his, um, traits, whatever they are, are very helpful to me because I'm the one that struggles to get up, get up in the morning. He has, I'm not ashamed to admit it, he has every single morning since we've been together brought me a cup of tea, like puts it on the bedside table because he knows that that caffeine is going to get me up. So it's kind of like this intravenous thing, puts it on my on the thing. I, he gives me five minutes to drink my tea and then I'm like, okay, I can deal with the world. Makes me laugh so much because that <laughs> me like the whole kind of eighteen months. It sounds a really short period of time, but we fit a lot into that eighteen months. I'm the one making the coffee, and I think on occasion I've had to make three coffees where they'll go cold. I'll make another one go cold. And she started medication two weeks ago, and it was the first time in our relationship. And I, I was still waking up early, six a.m. Um, and I woke up and she's there, wow. awake with a coffee in hand, and I was like wow where, where's this come from this is this is this is different and she's like yeah I just feel so clear-minded she described it as so alert um but but focused but not kind of like high or mm. you know like you've had a several cups of caffeine she just felt really really present mm -hmm. and, and clear-minded different um you said the word present and that is like probably the one word that most you know clients I speak to want to feel I say how do you want to feel what's what do you desire out of life and you know it's nothing huge we don't want like millions we don't want to do I mean some people obviously want to reach the pinnacle of their careers and all these different things 
but so many of us just want to feel present and content and the be having ADHD is the only way I can describe it is we're never in the room we're always thinking ahead we're always worrying about something that we've done and we're not content because we've got this restless energy that makes us feel like we should be doing something that we're not allowed to relax that we're not allowed to rest and so for her to say that she feels present on medication that is huge and it shouldn't be you know dismissed because when you spend your whole life in your head or you're not quite there or you're always behind schedule or something like that it's a, it's a huge toll on your mental health so I'm really glad to hear that, that the medication has helped is she finding is she tolerating it okay how is she feeling on it she is so she did the 14 days I forget which medication but it's the one a day mm -hmm. the slow release yeah. um 14 days on 20 mil she's gone up to 30 mil now and will face some other challenges. You know, imagine her ADHD will evolve and it will change with medication that will have an impact. So we're prepared for that. But so far, um, so good. Uh, you know, I could see, I could almost see that presence in her as well. Just that, that glow in her eyes, that smile, like her whole demeanor had completely changed. You could see she had that kind of inner, inner peace and serenity and an ability to appreciate the moment and relax. And that was just so good to see. It wasn't about the coffee. Don't get me wrong. It's great having a coffee at 6am, but to see that, that inner, you know, that, that kind of inner peace mm -hmm. and how she described it, you know, I, I want that for her. I wanted to be able to feel that and embrace that, that peace. And um, yeah, it's going really well so far. So if you're listening to today's podcast and you're finding it really helpful, I would love it if you could jump onto wherever you're listening to the episode and leave a review, a rating. This really helps with other people like yourself find the podcast. Perhaps they are just on the beginning of their journey and are desperate for help and resources. And this podcast can really help with that. And if you are looking for further support, please do head to my website, which is adhdwomenswellbeing.co.uk. On there, I have lots of workshops, resources, information, it's both paid for and for free. My aim is to really help you and guide you on this journey and allow you to access whatever you can find that will help you where you are right now. So that's adhdwomenswellbeing.co.uk. Now back to today's episode. So, and you mentioned that she runs a business. I've just been curious, what is it that she does? Because people with ADHD, when they run their businesses, um, they have to really be passionate about it. And I'm interested to, to know if, she, if it's like a passion-led project. Absolutely. She's um, a, a hairstylist, uh, but they're very much into colour. She's had the first salon for five years. They've won awards. She's so creative with it. When she's in that creative space, she's just just so passionate. And then we opened a second salon together. Um, so, so it's great to see her in, in that world that she just comes into her own, you know, she's in this creative space, so focused, so enjoying what she does. But the other side of running that business was things like the finances, the admin, the emails, and we see that build up and overwhelming. And that's when, you know, it, it should really be affected um, in terms of her mental health by what she'd state would be her ADHD. I just can't do the emails. I just can't focus on this or that. And that frustration would come out. And, you know, that's when it was really hard to see because I'd be like, I can help, I can do this, I can do that. But she just wanted to be able to 
to do it herself and and have a reason why she couldn't all of her life so yeah she is she's very creative yeah i mean i again it first of all it resonates from a personal perspective um because i was exactly the same to my husband before i, I was diagnosed and i used to sort of come to him and just be like, why can't i do it why why is everyone else able to do this and that and why can they cope why do they not get overwhelmed and why do i just want to like shut everything down and just like walk away and he didn't have the answers but he would try very kindly to sort of show me what I was good at and, you know, delegate, find someone, get an assistant, you know, do whatever you need to do to, to help in that matter. And I have to say, I've always been quite good at delegating and seeing where I do need that help, you know, whether it's childcare or bringing in someone to help me clean the house or um, thankfully in my business, I've got an assistant now who is just amazing at all the techie bitty things. And she's fantastic. She, she just literally will just pick up something. I'll just, you know, leave her a message and, you know, in, in five minutes it's done. That would have taken me like three hours, but the three hours it would have taken me would have been tears, frustration, self-criticism, beration, anger, emotional dysregulation. And that in itself yeah. is just so exhausting where now I can focus on the stuff that I enjoy and good at. Um, and I, it feels like sort of similar with, with your partner that she, you know, obviously she's creative and she thrives off, you know, all the, the creative side of hairdressing. But to not be able to do fundamental, what we believe are fundamental things, to run a business, you know, but I always sort of like look at it as as people who, you know, running in these huge, um, you know, global empires, they're not doing it all themselves. They've got massive teams, but they're not told, oh, you're not worthy of running that business or you don't really, you shouldn't really run that business, even, you know, because they've got a head of marketing and a head of accounting and all of that. But we, I think our ADHD negative mind that has always struggled has just gone, you know, I talk about um, something called the DMN, the default mode network. And in ADHD, sort of from a neurological perspective, it's a much louder part of our brain to which much more prone to self-criticism and um, this negative bias where all we do is focus on the stuff that we can't do. So, you know, maybe let her know about that. The DMN is a very, very strong part of our brain. Um, you know, you can kind of remember it's the demon, like the demon side of our brain likes to do all the talking. But actually, when we recognize it, we say, right, no, actually, I'm a shit hot hairdresser. I've got amazing clients. I'm winning awards. And not, oh, I can't quite keep up with my emails. You know, that's that's when we can start reframing the ADHD. And that's where maybe there's some similarities for, for me and Jamie with the ADHD and OCD, because that part of my brain, that internal dialogue that will condemn and try and mitigate the risk of anything going wrong ever and, and look at it this way and that way. And, and when it does go wrong it's almost like i've given my brain an impossible task i've said to my brain make sure nothing goes wrong in my life ever make sure it only ever goes right so when it does go wrong or not how i expect uh you know ryan useless ryan why can't you do this can't you do that so there are some kind of crossovers and similarities between us that we can talk about and explore together yeah yeah so i mean moving forwards now what's jamie what's her plan now with her adhd is she just happy to stay on the medication and is she doing anything sort of like holistically where she can, you know, support herself? Because I genuinely believe that medication can be fantastic for, for many people. But I do think that if we're not supporting ourselves um, from a lifestyle perspective, because we are prone to overworking, if you, you know, you'll, you'll often spot a workaholic entrepreneur with ADHD, 
burnout is much higher. You know, we're prone to um, overwhelm, anxiety, worry. We also don't have that switch off from literally going, right, you've done enough work today because there's always more. Our brains are always going so we could always keep achieving. So I'm wondering, is she identifying with anything sort of lifestyle wise moving forwards? A hundred percent. That's all the stuff we kind of explored before diagnosis and before medication, because that's the realm I work in and teaching, you know, all those well-being approaches, such as mindfulness, you know, walks in nature, meditation, exercise, good sleep, all of that stuff we tried to put in place and she'd love it and embrace it for a little bit. But then she describes it as I know I want and need to do that. I just can't. I just cannot, for whatever reason, connect the dots. So I believe the journey of recovery is much more than just getting good at taking tablets, whether it's mental illness or, you know, OCD, ADHD. So now she's on the medication. She's able to enjoy and embrace all that stuff. So it's a whole journey of, if you want to label it as recovery, that's going to adapt and evolve and, and we'll kind of reflect on that as it takes its twists and turns. But yeah, absolutely. Now all the well-being approaches that she tried to do before, or maybe done for a little bit, she's now fully moving into that space. And she's going to look at some some coaching as well, you know, from a woman with ADHD, because I think that relatability would be really good for us. So we're seeking that out and constantly looking to add things into those that mental health toolkit. What else could help? What else is needed now? Rather than that's the route. That's what I'm going to stay on. And maybe that'll work for a bit. Maybe it won't. Maybe it'll change. Maybe it'll stop. Same with my OCD. I can't just go, right, that's my blueprint for happiness. I'm going to stay like that because it does. It's evolved. It's changed. It's affected my life in different ways as life goes on and there's different circumstances. So we'll, we'll keep seeking out more knowledge, more awareness, mostly from your great podcast <laughs> and seeing what else is out there to help her live a full and happy and present enjoyable life yeah i mean it sounds like she's living with the right person tell me a little bit about what you do for yourself and i guess what you advocate for when you're speaking to other men with mental health challenges trying to break down the stigma and the judgment because still men have this inherent feeling or belief that it is weak to talk out or they can't or they shouldn't show emotion um but because of my background i mean i'm 41 and back in my day get to say that at the age of 41 sound like my dad back in my day no one talks about mental health so i've had a bit of a rough journey on that kind of middle generation but the only tools i had back then was was fighting i'm a former professional cage fighter i did the door i'm covered in tattoos and and that was me projecting to the world i'm not weak i'm fine when actually on the inside i was this kind of bored um bullied scared little boy um so what i try and encourage is it, it doesn't matter what you do cage fighting boxing ballet dancing poetry if life is going to happen at you and for you then you need to be able to communicate talk and share and interestingly it was uh, march 24th last year that i was sectioned under the mental health act for for suicidal crisis and it was jamie that played an active role in saved my life so we've got an incredible connection and, and relationship uh, from that so for me personally it's continuing to learn grow accept and try new things what i used the tools i used back then won't necessarily be effective now i need to continue to grow and evolve and consider new ideas and strategies to keep my mental illness from having a negative grip on my life because i'll never be cured of ocd but i can be in recovery with it where it doesn't affect my life negatively and i've got a couple of superpowers like being ultra organized i can i can live with that yeah i mean 
what the listeners can't see is that you are indeed covered in tattoos and you are a very masculine looking guy but the fact that you are so masculine and then you're able to connect to other men and you're able to be vulnerable and talk about your history and talk about what you've gone through must be an amazing way to break down those barriers because it I don't know how we've got to this point where men can feel so ashamed to talk about you know they wouldn't be ashamed maybe you know to talk about a physical illness you know like they've broken their leg or they've got um you know diabetes or something like that but when it comes to anything to do with the mind and our mental health I, I don't know why but it's just still so deemed as weak in in men and even you know just for my husband again and going back to him is that he struggles to open up and again, I think it is just a conditioning thing. And you know, we're in our mid forties, and you're right. I think we're that generation of people that we're still absorbing that kind of like put up, shut up, keep quiet, don't talk about, don't air your dirty um, laundry. You know, whatever the words are, but you know what I mean. And so now it's like breaking it back down, breaking it down, and hopefully paving the way for my kids who I want them to be as open as they can if they're feeling, you know, in any way worried or anxious. Um, so I think what you're doing is is amazing. Um, and, you know, people are lucky to be able to work with you. Well, you too. Like I said, you, you've helped me and Jamie so much. You know, all of my, pretty much all of my education around ADHD has come from your your podcasts and it, it helps so much hearing about others' experiences and and learning more and more about it. And, and you know, Jamie's a great follower of that. So what you're doing, I know, will help so many people uh, with regards to this topic. And it's really important that we raise that awareness. So thank you for doing such an amazing thing for the world. Oh, thank you, Ryan. Now tell me, where can people, if they want to follow you, because I know you do loads of great videos online, you've got a big following on social media, tell people where they can... Um, find you yeah on instagram it's voice underscore for underscore mental health and when i started that six years ago it was about 700 people it's now eighty-five thousand people who i've taught i've learned from you know part of the mental health community and the only thing we're trying to sell on there is that there should be no stigma or judgment around mental health ever so we uh we post on there regularly to try to raise that awareness because i think when we do that whether it's OCD, mental illness, ADHD. When we raise that awareness, then it will drive down the stigma and the judgment. Fantastic. Well, make sure that's all on the show notes so people can follow you and um, pass it on to anyone that they they think might need to, to hear what you're talking about. So Ryan, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me on. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode. I hope you found what you were looking for in this conversation and it's helped guide you towards some further self-healing, self-exploration, and most importantly, self-acceptance. And if you have enjoyed this conversation and would like to experience more of my work, such as access to exclusive live workshops and opportunities for group coaching sessions, connecting with other like-minded women, and a general feeling of belonging, please come and check out my monthly membership, the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Collective. I've made it as affordable as possible and I offer you lots of resources and opportunities for connection and support from other women all around the world being diagnosed with ADHD later on in life. I'd absolutely love to see you there. All the details are in this episode's show notes or on my website adhdwomenswellbeing.co.uk. See you in the next episode.